Welcome back to the Monica Matthews Show, Life, Love, and Liberty. Happy Monday to you. It's been a busy, horrific, horrifying weekend here stateside. Welcome to those of you who are uh, international. I appreciate all of you. It has been hellish, and I don't predict that it's going to get any better. As I've stated for over a year now, if you thought that this country would uh, overturn its co- its current political power base without a huge mammoth fight of epic proportion, then you were asleep at the wheel. And sadly, I happen to be uh, of the mindset that there are people who in- are in fact activated for times such as this. People who are always on someone's radar who somehow or the other tend to just fly right past that radar system while mothers and fathers and people showing up at school boards, you know, to uh, to defend their right as parents to know what their kids are being taught, right? They're on domestic terror lists. In the meantime, we have people, black, white, purple, green, whatever, uh, shooting up other Americans, and the media space is loving it, the pro- the propaganda arm. You have to know that's what's happening. But worse than that, we have the blowhards in D.C. who have decided that this is this is uh, open season on on white people in general. I mean, this is truly astounding to see. Who was this? Where is she? I'm trying to find her. There she is. Here we are. Liz Cheney. This is what Liz Cheney had to say. She says that uh, the Republican leadership has, quote, enabled white nationalism and calls on her fellow party members to renounce and reject these views after a racially motivated mass shooting in Buffalo, New York on Saturday that left 10 people dead. Now, you're not, for those of you in podcast land, you can't see my meme, my slide. But it's a picture of a horrifying picture of our past. It is shameful. It is an embarrassment. It is a stain on this country that if we would ever reconcile to the actual cross of Christ, we might be able to move forward in unity. If we washed this season of this country in the blood of Jesus Christ, we might actually be able to move on in unity. So no, Liz, there's not a white nationalist movement movement in the upper chambers of the Republican Party. I can only imagine who you're referring to. But this is a tragedy when our own Congress, of course, we understand who Liz Cheney is in the in the Republican chain of command, or rather, you know, the Democrat chain of command. But this is unacceptable. 
It's not enough to get up here and be upset and to be mad about it. Those days are over. No, this is, it is time to speak out and to demand better of those who are seated in positions of authority. It's not enough to continue to retweet this trash, this filth that she propagates and others propagate who I'm about to highlight in my show today because I think it's important. And it was part of my Twitter feed yesterday. So it's already out there in public view. I am currently in my spaces as well on Twitter. So for those of you who would like to sound off in the space, you are part of my live show today. You are welcome to do so. I will not tolerate a single breath of hatred in this space. Not one. So if you're angry, bring it. If you're sad, I'd rather hear that. If it grieves you, bring that too. If you have a message for Congress, if you have a message for people who don't look like you, and you're tired of being accused of being something that you're not, I want to hear from you. This is a very deliberative move on behalf of those who understand the power of our unity. You have to understand that. It is, it is, it is an organized operation of epic proportion to get us completely out of sorts so we will turn on one another. And right now, our borders are wide open. We are engaged in warfare that is not our war, in my humble opinion. We are being drawn into a provocation with one of our greatest and most powerful adversaries who are partnered with other powerful adversaries. We have just watched 2,000 Traitors, which unequivocally shows that there were issues with the 2020 election that positively should be adjudicated. We have people intimidated right now in the state of Georgia being threatened because of that truth and that evidence. We are in a proverbial war on this soil. And the number one landscape that your fourth branch of hell seeks to capture is your mind. And it's for a much larger and wider and deeper picture than you guys would ever want to imagine. It is sinister, but it's nothing new. It's nothing new. This is not new. This is a family feud in the heavenlies that has been going on since the beginning of time. And so we are all players on someone's chessboard. So you're going to have to decide to gather yourselves together. You're going to have to choose love over fear. It's not hatred. It's fear. And all hatred is fueled by fear. And so is pride. So this is a very dangerous time for us. Um, I say us collectively as a nation, also as a white demographic and ethnicity. Uh, It's very dangerous and very easy for people to fall into hatred, right? 
but you got to recognize what the game is, right? And how many of you have actually great interactions with your black neighbors, your Latino neighbors, your Asian neighbors, and you read these things, this trash, this trashy filth from Liz Cheney, filth, it is trash. And it's time that more people in media start calling it out for exactly what it is. It is divisive filth. And someone in Congress should be holding her accountable for her filthy, divisive words. Because words have the power of life and death, Liz. But you knew that already. So we're in my spaces today. If you guys want to sound off, come up. I do have a co-host. She'll bring you up. Please uh, raise your hand if you would like to speak. We do things in an orderly fashion. Uh, This is not a free-for-all, but I do want to hear from you. Your voice is important. If you are over here in YouTube world and you are commenting, I want to hear from you over there as well. So, um, yesterday, well, let let me back up. Saturday, I was invited to sing, and this is really part of what's gotten me stoked. I sing our national anthem all over the country for many different functions, generals, um, you know, heads of state. I mean, I've done this my whole life, basically, and I love it. My father was a World War II veteran. And even though someone called me a liar about that yesterday, and we're going to get to him in just a minute. But my father was a World War II veteran. He taught me the, the, the sincerity and the power and the purpose behind the words of the anthem that I was singing. And I am a Grammy-nominated a Grammy singer as well, so I'm a professional singer. So the tendency with the anthem for a lot of singers is to take a lot of liberties with it, right? And it really drives people batty who have a very sincere love for the anthem and understand what the flag represents, Other nations understand what our flag represents, which is why when they see it, they bow down and kiss the ground if they're in wartime because they believe that freedom has just come to their aid while we're busy desecrating it on our soil. So I had the privilege, and it is a privilege, it's an honor to be asked to sing our national anthem. And we had an air show here in Atlanta, Peachtree DeKalb Airport, and they're lovely People over there in the government always ask me to come sing. Love it. Great time. And watching the unity. DeKalb County, you have to understand, is predominantly blue in the state of Georgia. And so we had a very diverse crowd. I mean, it represented DeKalb County very well. The entire event did. We had blacks, Asians, whites, Latinos. I mean, you name it. From all nationalities. I mean, I ran into a lot of people from a lot of different places. And they were so excited to be a part of something like an air show, right? Like it was exciting to get to meet these old guys who have flown. You know, there's some of our, the last guys left from World War II, right? You had guys who flew in Nam. I hung out with some FAA guys who flew in Nam, had stories. Just history, alive, live history, 
right there. So kids could talk to these guys and see them in uniform and they got to get in the cockpit and they got to see fighter aircraft. I mean, it was like C-130s, people jumping out of perfectly good airplanes as a pilot in training. That kind of doesn't make sense to me. I digress. So, but I thought to myself, I looked around at those thousands of people and I thought, this is us. This is us. This is who we are. We're not whatever Liz Cheney calls us, a bunch of white nationalists, because a few people have been activated to go out and destroy, kill, and bring hell into this country. That's not who we are. You think I'm going to assign that value to myself because of a few ragged out demonic people? No, that's not going to happen. So we're here today to encourage you not to take that mantle, that name, onto yourself. But when I saw all those people, I thought, this is what we need more of. COVID really, we have had an air show here since 2018. I'm not sure what COVID has to do with people being outside in an air show, but it shut the whole thing down. The whole thing. So watching people come together and eat their hot dogs and their hamburgers and fly their flags and drink their Budweiser. Uh, yes, black people drink Budweiser too, Liz. So, I mean, I just, my heart was just beaming with gratitude for this event that was nonpartisan, but it was national in nature. It was patriotic in nature. So they want you to feel bad about being America first, right? They want to paint you as a domestic terrorist, uh, government enemy number one, because you love this country and you love what we stand for and our ideas. And no, we haven't gotten it all right, but damn it, we're, we're trying to get there. We're trying to get there. But we love each other. I don't care what they say. We love each other as a nation, and I saw it with my own two eyes on Saturday. So I want to encourage you, you municipal uh, leaders, county leaders, if you have an opportunity to bring an air show or something that is unifying of that nature to your counties, you need to work overtime to make that happen right now. You have enough talking heads like myself out here in this space. You need to start putting together events that are unifying. For Americans. And that is the number one way to get there. And you will see people celebrating the history of this country with respect and with gratitude. You don't think the foreigners that have come over here, and I know DeKalb County is laden with illegal immigrants, and who knows how many of them were there Saturday, but I'll tell you this, they looked happy. And, and, I, and I know where some of y'all are going with that, but I'll say this. Anyone who has escaped hell to come into this country is damn glad to be here, including my own family. So I just want to encourage you with that. We'll get to some of my more illustrious uh, quasi-guests who are going to be here on the show in just a little bit. But um, good Monday. Hi to you guys over there in uh, YouTube world. Welcome. Um, yes, if you're in the space, please share the space. I would love to get some people in here who might actually think that white people are a bunch of nationalists. I don't know. What's really interesting about that is that if you pull up the actual data, 
right? Here are the facts. And for those of you uh, in Twitter spaces, you can't see this, but we've got book, uh, Brooklyn Subway, mass shooter, black man. Iowa nightclub, uh, black man. Sacramento, black man. Uh, Sacramento, again, black man. Arkansas car show, black man. Vegas hookah bar, black gentleman. Uh, Virginia hookah bar, black man. And I say that not to disparage black people, but to bring facts to who's actually shooting whom and by what measure. Because it's not enough for us to keep saying, well, we know who really does it. And, and, you know, and it's the black culture and it's fatherlessness and it's this. Okay. Well, if we're so big and bright and we got all the, all the answers, then why aren't we ministering to this, to this ethnicity, to this culture? What are we afraid of? What are we afraid of church? As opposed to having people like Beth Moore, who I will get to in just a moment, who is, you know, super lily white lady who's been, you know, ministering to millions of people for years, who now thinks that the way to combat crime, fatherlessness, abortion to the rate of 60% of the babies born in my state are on Medicaid. That's a real testimony to the church there, Beth. Super diverse. Yep. Super kingdom-ish. Yep. It just reeks of freedom. When 60% of your babies have to be born on Medicaid. Right? But the answer to part of the church is for white people to actually bow down at the altar of false accusation. And I'm just here to tell you guys, this white girl does not subscribe to that gospel. Because that is a gospel of death, hell, and destruction. And it completely bypasses the gospel of Jesus Christ and the blood. And that's not happening for me. So there's that. Uh, You can take that however you want. And I would encourage you all who are Christians to man up, woman up, Christ up, church up, get into the truth and know exactly who and whose you are. Now, let's move over to some folks in the spaces. Who we got? Who we got? First, we have Mel. All right, go for it, Mel. Hey, Monica. Thanks for having me. Of course. Um, Can you hear me okay? Yep. All right. I appreciate you having this topic. Um, I shared on Saturday, you know, after I inadvertently saw the video, I asked people to stop sharing it. First and foremost, can we stop feeding into the agenda of spreading this hate? Um, Nobody wants to see anybody's family members getting slaughtered. So really, yes, it happens. And we can talk about all day and night of why it happens, but stop perpetuating the issue by sharing it it does nothing to share and on that video i saw people of every color this person did not care this person again i'm not going to try to get in this person it was it was 10 to be factual it was mostly black people who were killed okay well i'm speaking right now and i think the rules are to hold with all due respect sir yes please Uh, thank you and you know from my perspective, we need to stop the madness. I have, again, I, I, you teach your children to respect everybody regardless of color and creed. And if you're not, then you should, because we all bleed red. God created, and again, if I respect you, if you have a different religion, he created us all equal. Do I think there's some disparities? Yes, I do. I'm not stupid. Um, But again, we need to do better by reaching out to people just treating people like people, regardless of, of their beliefs. 
and be kind. Kindness is gone. Sure. I think people are just numb to being able to be kind to people and smile regardless of who it is yeah. because you never know how it's going to change their day. But I really think, again, this this there's an agenda and I don't need Liz to speak for, for me. I'm sorry. I'm not a racist. Amen. I never will be. No, you are. You are your racist. Oh, sorry. Okay, um, so, for... so you get to go bye-bye because we're done with that. Okay, go ahead. Yes. Just because I'm white does not mean I'm racist. I grew up as a minority in my neighborhood. I grew up very poor. And um, so I am, you know, an exception to what one would say a white privilege is. Right. Again, you can define white privilege as you want. I don't think all white people, if you eat welfare cheese, I, I, I don't think you're white privilege. So... Again, we can argue about that. But one thing we can argue about is that we all need to do better. We yeah. all need to love. We need to have compassion. And we need to have kindness. And teach our kids, really, to break the cycle of whatever thought is. I always tell my daughter, I don't want to hear, unless there's two Billies in the class, I don't want to hear the black kid. Right. I want to hear, you know, again, I think the coolest thing is to watch a young child play Guess Who?, and try to explain to them who they're ruling out. It's a really eye-opening experience because they don't understand the concept. Sure. So it's all taught. So again, please just stop perpetuating. It, regardless of who they killed and what color the person was or whatever, let's just agree that they're deranged and they need mental help. And it's unacceptable. <laughs> it's unacceptable. They need death, death penalty. Well, okay, again, well, again, for sorry, mass murderers. Do, do, do me a favor, babe. Please just uh, keep your mic muted and um, just keep your hand up and I'm going to get to you. I promise. Okay. Cause I, I do actually want to hear what you have to say. So, um, okay. Yeah, go again, ahead. I think I rambled enough, but again, I just think we can all do better and I'm committed to do that um, because I, and I want people to stop speaking on behalf of who I am and my community yeah, um, because it's not fair. Thank you. You're welcome. Okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, whoa, 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 whoa. Good afternoon. Hey, what? Wait, wait, wait. Oh, wait, sorry wait. about that. All right. I'll let you, I'll let you go. <laughs> All right. Appreciate you. Yeah. Hold on. We, we got a lot of hands up. And right now I'm trying to plug myself in before my computer goes dead in the gabs. You want to go ahead and go to whomever was next because honestly, I'm not looking at the screen, so I'm not paying attention. So that's on you. Black Star Media was next. Go ahead and speak, honey. Okay. Thank you. And good afternoon um, to your show. Um, I just have two comments. Um, White supremacy does definitely exist. Um, the person who did that mass murder in Buffalo is a self-described, self-admitted white supremacist. So to deal with a problem, you first the first thing you do have to acknowledge that the problem exists. So I think that I, I know ignoring the problem is not going to um, okay, do me a favor. You're breaking up really bad. So I just muted your mic. I don't know if you're just in a bad area uh, with cell coverage, but um, yeah, try to work that out. And because, um, you know, I feel like what you have to say is important. So clearly you think that um, here's the deal. So whenever I say things like, well, you know what, I'm going to say that. I'm going to say that for just a minute. Let me ask you something. Do you believe that black supremacy is real? No, because we don't have, we're not the ones in control of the world 
you know, this country, you know, Europe, America, et cetera, those are the superpowers of the planet. And we know the history of the slave trade, of the genocide, of the colonization that set up Europe and America and the white nations as the superpowers of the planet. So that's the present system of racism that, that exists. Can I ask you who taught you that? Um, that's history. But who taught you that? Um, history taught me that. Right. But whose history? The world history. Reality. Did you, was that something that you learned in school? Is this like an academic knowledge? Is this passed down? Is this, um, is this, is this uh, verbal, is this uh, tradition, oral tradition that's been passed down? Or did you learn this in academia? Uh, this is this is the history. This is um, the U.S. school system, public school system, okay. um, college, etc. Okay. Just reality. Okay. You know? So would you? I'm not condemning all. I'm not condemning you or all white people. Sure. But it is a reality yeah. that white supremacy exists. That's how the hundreds of millions of people who were taken from Africa to the entire Western Hemisphere. That's how we got here. You know. So we have to admit that that's a problem. You know, that that's that's one of the statements I want to make. Okay. Would you um, also and as far as would you also admit that okay. Would you also admit that there was a transaction that occurred between African leaders and English men and women uh who were interested in slave trade and, and who brought uh you know, Africans to this country, would you, you would agree with that, right? Like it wasn't white people in Africa who were selling uh, black people to other white people, right? Would do we agree on that? There was a, there was a coercive factor that was in that, that's um, understated at times. Yes, there was um, that selling going on, but there was a coercive factor in that if you don't cooperate us, English, British, European people, we will genocide your tribe. We will kill your people. We will bomb you with the cannons. We have superior technology. We will destroy you. So you have to cooperate. So a lot of these groups of people who are uh, dominated by the white uh, terroristic forces, they have to cooperate in some way to this oppressive system. Just like we, we know that the, uh, the, the police system is set up against black people, and it has been for years. But there's black people serving in that system. They don't control that system. There's the puppets in that system. So just so would you say that black people being oppressive versus black people, but at the root of it, there's a white control factor that's in play. So that's that's what people are speaking about when it's white supremacy. That doesn't mean that black people are incapable of doing evil. I, I don't but know why I hear somebody else talking and we're not doing that. I'm going to mute your bike. So we're letting this gentleman speak. Raise your hand if you have something right. to say and you're in the speaker space, please. Thank you. All right, go ahead, sir. Right. So, yeah. So, yeah, just to end on that, um, it's that the root of the control, that's what people speak about when they speak about white supremacy. That doesn't mean that even white people have all power. You know, we all know God is the most highest power. But after, under that, the systems that we have in place um, it's a system in which, you know, white tyranny has been, you know, doing dirt to our people. So that's that's just um, one thing I want to okay. give to the stage. And secondly, I want to speak on yeah. um, the, the, the terrorists in Buffalo. Yeah. Um, 
people are saying that it was a mental health problem, but he was very detailed in why, what he did, why he did. He was very intentional. He drove 200 miles away to do it. And it's a pattern. He, he referenced people. He referenced Brenton Tarrant. He mentioned, referenced Andres Breivik in a 2083 European plan of independence. He referenced um, prior people who have done this and wrote in manifestos. And so it's, it's, not, a, it's not a random act of um, insanity. It's an intentional plot and plan that he wanted to carry out to cause more people who think like him to carry out more acts like that. So I think that when people speak about it, like, oh, he was just insane, that downplays the severity of the um, danger and the severity of the problem. I, and okay. that, those are the two things I want to say. I can, um, I can see where you feel that white way. Supre- not all white people are white supremacists. Not Amen. all white people are white supremacists. I know there's a lot of white people that are against what this man did. Sure. But why, why I feel like we have to address the issue. Okay, look. We have to address the issue so that... Um, we have to address the issue sure. to fix the problem. That was my main point. So those are my, those are my two points on the man and what he did and also the issue. So, let me, so let me ask you something. So I, you can't see this unless you're watching me in real time because I'm live as well on YouTube um, and Twitter. But I just put back up my meme of the one, two, three, four, five, six, seven gentlemen who um, were mass shooters recently, like this year, who are black gentlemen. So when it comes to, um, so when it comes to mass shootings uh, done perpetuated by black people, what what do you think? What do you attribute that to? Any person, we all have immediate action that we can take, right? I can walk. I can do. We all have immediate action that we can take. But white supremacy describes a system of governance that allows whites to do more tyranny and to basically control the world's resources at the detriment of all other non-white people. Okay, but that's not answering my question about these gentlemen. Right. What about, what's the question on those? So, yeah, so these guys, uh, let's just, let me refresh. All right, so we've got uh, Brooklyn Subway mass shooter. Uh, black gentleman, Iowa nightclub, uh, black gentleman, Sacramento mass shooter, uh, another black gentleman, Sacramento as well, another uh, black gentleman, Arkansas car show, which I was not familiar with, uh, black gentleman, uh, Vegas hookah bar uh, was a black gentleman, and Virginia hookah bar, uh, black gentleman as well. So what do you think perpetuates this type of uh, mass shooter? Uh, if it's white supremacy and that's the leaning or the psychology of the person who creates this manifesto, uh, where, and I know we had a manifesto from the Brooklyn subway shooter as well, who was very clearly uh, not in favor of white people. Would you, you would not call that black supremacy? Um, no, because white supremacy is a system of governance. Those are acts of terrorism. Um, for those, I don't, you mentioned them, I, I did research some, but those are acts of terrorism, but white supremacy is a system of governance. That's, it's the reason why the white nations are the richest on the planet. You know, um, the evidence, the evidence it's even written in law. It's written in law in all in the U S law books. But can I ask white you something? Defined in law. What, can I ask you that something? Because you even, you, even let, let, versus hold on. let me, let me ask you something because you seem like a reasonable person, even though I completely disagree with you on certain things. Okay. And other things I go, hmm, 
okay, yeah, I get that. But let me ask you something. Why would you not take the time to research what these guys have done? Oh, no, I'll, I'll take the time. You, you mentioned um, six incidents. Seven. I know about the Brooklyn one. I know of oh, seven. Um, yes. I know about the Brooklyn one. Um, no one was, it was a, it was an act. No one was murdered, but I know about the Brooklyn incident, but I am going to research them. Okay. But um, so, I know that there was a mass shooting of 10 people were murdered recently. So, um, so that's why I was discussing this particular So let topic. me ask you, by, by your own theory, then if you moved to, let's say China, Okay, we'll use China as an example, because one of my listeners on YouTube just mentioned this, and it's a very good point. If you were to go to China, where 99.9% of the population is going to be Chinese, would you, and you were a black man in China, uh, would you consider them to be Chinese supremacists? If they set up a system of governance in which black people are at the bottom then that would be Chinese um, tyranny, supremacy, if they did. But I don't live in China, so I can't speak on that. (laughs) I understand that. I understand. But you can. You can, and you did. You did. You just did speak on it. So you can speak to that, and I understand that these are two different. But even China is subservient to the USA. The USA and the Western, the white powers are the strongest nations. So even China, even though China is seen as a threat, they're subservient, and they're dependent on um, even being a manufacturing power, the U.S. shipped their manufacturing hubs to China and allowed them to get whatever resources that they have. They were even allowed to buy the buy the USA. So they're still subservient. So that's that's the system of white supremacy that we're speaking on. The system that has even the Latino people. So do you see you have, any? You have, you have whole people who are products of rape, mass rape. In the Western Hemisphere, you know, it's it's undeniable the amount of terrorism that's been enacted and the mentality is the same today in these particular individuals, just like how they hung people on postcards. And then, you know, you have the Georgia postcard, the Alabama postcard, you have lynchings on those postcards. You have people committing mass shootings and streaming it live for people to watch it and enjoy it. That's that, that's that white supremacist sick mentality that produced the USA. Our ancestors were enslaved over here from that mentality. So that's what people are speaking on when they speak of white supremacy. And we just need to acknowledge that problem. So, not so, so do you think, do you believe that Obama uh, was just, problems. so do you believe that Obama was just kind of a white man stooge? Um, he was only, he was only allowed to be president. Any, any president in the USA, he had to have a certain amount of white votes to even be in power. So, even if right, that's, that's so so okay, you but, have anything, but... You, uh, anything Obama was allowed <laughs> to do, it needed some support from okay. a, a certain subset of white people. That's why he said we're not doing reparations for black people. You said he was against reparations. Why would a black person who knows the history of this country be against reparations? It's because you have to bow to the will of the white majority in this nation. So that's white supremacy. Okay. Well, so. Not, not about doing what's right. Not about what's doing what's right and what's just, but what's doing what is in favor or what white people feel um, makes them feel good. That's the white supremacy that people are talking about. Okay. If we want to have real equality in this country on a, on a fair basis as equals, certain 
these injustices need to be there needs to be some recompense for that. Then we could treat each other as, as equals, whether so, somebody so you makes, think, like, you know, so I don't you, like you, so you think or money, I do like you, whatever. So you think money is going to do it? You, you think that, a, that a, like, taxing or a reparations or a fee or something is going to actually unite people and, re, and repay uh, black people for the sins uh, that have been perpetuated against them as a nation? You, you think, let me ask you something. Are you a Christian? Yes, sir. Yeah, yes, ma'am. Yes, Sorry, ma'am. Ma'am. Sorry. You're good. I, 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 today I'm identifying as a blonde-headed. Uh, I, I believe in God. <laughs> I believe in the same. I believe in the uh, the God of justice. Okay. I believe in the teachings of Jesus. Right. Um, I believe in the teachings of all the prophets. I feel like all the prophets that came taught the same message: treat others as you would want them to be treated. So, so is I, Jesus is Jesus your Lord and Savior? He's a he's a a prophet okay. that I received. Um, Truth and justice from that okay. okay, cool. footsteps. All right, got it. All right. Well, hey, thanks for chiming in and you've given me some show ideas. Uh, oh, you know, stay oh, tuned. No. Stay yeah, you know, keep up with my page. Uh you're welcome to come back. Can I explain my last statement on um why I believe reparations would unite our people in America? Well, I'll explain why. You have exactly so thirty seconds to make your point. Go for it. Yes, ma'am. So even today. Let's let's talk about the Homestead Act. Millions of people were given land, were given free land, white people, not black people, white people were given free land with the Homestead Act. And if that that land was passed down generation by generation, there's people still living, millions and millions of people still living in the homes, in the land that was given from that act. All of our wealth, all of our, our wealth, all of our potential way to be free was taken and stripped from us as a people. So there's just a big power imbalance, just like in a relationship. We have two people, but they're not in two equals. You can't have a have a healthy relationship. There's always going to be conflict if you don't address that underlying problem. We would have every we had our humanity stripped from us, and our grandparents and our parents and some of our people walking to this day went through that tyranny. So there has to be some type of real recompense to it, not just a I'm sorry, and then you know leave the people in the dust. So that's that's the. That's why reparations is needed. But what, what um, is I, your, I respect the platform and thank you for having me. Sure. What is your name, sir? Uh, my name, uh, Blackstar Media. That's my um, <laughs> okay. Twitter profile. I'll, I'll stay anonymous. Yeah, you're good. And you're thank good. you. Thank you're you, welcome. Monica, for um, sure. your platform. Yeah, thanks for being and here. respect to you. Absolutely. Likewise. Peace. Thank you, sir. Have a good day. Um, okay. So uh, let's, there we go. So without this turning into a full-blown, um, you know, what I think uh, history lesson. I'm not going to do that today. We can come back and revisit this conversation. I would simply say this to anyone who has not. Um, there, there, things of the spirit are are discerned by the spirit, and so um, that's why I asked about uh, that gentleman's faith because um, because I come from the faith, as I've stated early in this program that um, the blood of Christ either atoned, reconciled, and repaired, or it didn't. And that's just my faith. And so, and listen, you're talking to someone who has ministered to people for over a decade now, uh, including but not limited to things that are of a generational nature that people actually carry on a cellular level whether it's fear, um, hate, you know, a lot of you think that, that all of this stuff is taught, 
right? Some of you think it's nurture, but I'm just here to tell you, and you can go read your Bible if you don't believe me, but I've seen it manifest, and we do see this manifesting through generations, and some of you folks in here know what I'm talking about, and you're saying amen right now. If you've, you know, let's say there's something that no one in your family, you can't even begin to explain why you have a fear of something or why you um, have a propensity towards something, or why you have an addiction. No one else in the family struggles with something, or everyone else in the family is, you know, not blessed, but you are. I mean, there's there's all kinds of spiritual dynamics that go on that do affect us as uh, temporal, uh, physical beings made of matter. And so I, I don't like to get into shouting matches with people over this stuff. What I'm doing is taking mental notes because now I would like to come back and host another show that addresses uh, very uh, pointedly the issues that he brought up because I hear this on the regular, which is why I asked, was this oral tradition that was passed down to you as a black gentleman or was this through academia? And I think he acknowledged that it was primarily the public school system and academia, right? Secondary education. Um, And that's fine. I I wanted to get to that. So thank you all for your patience. Do me a favor. Please keep your mics muted if you're in the speaker space and raise your hand or I'm going to boot you because we're not going to have disorder in this space. Okay, let's keep rolling. Who's next? We got, uh, I'm next. I'm next. <laughs> no, I, I have Hilda is next. Hilda. Yeah, Hilda. Yeah, okay. 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 I just wanted to say white supremacy is real, and that was stated by Homeland Security Garland and also the director of the FBI, uh, Christopher Ray. That uh, white supremacists are the biggest terror terrorist threat in the country. Okay. And so, and also, so you, so you believe that? Because yes, I okay. believe it. Okay. Yes, I believe that because uh, there's we have a history in this country of uh, terrorism against Black people. So I, I absolutely. So, so Hilda, that. let me ask you something. So you believe that because of our history, right? And and is that so? Is that based on history, or is that no. based on like data points and facts and statistics yeah, that you I, have right now? Yes, um, Black Americans are still uh, have the highest rape crimes. We're the victims of the highest hate crimes in this country, and that's a fact. So it's not only history; it's all also. Are, are you? Now. Let me ask you something. Are you pulling that from Department of Homeland Security's website? Uh, yeah. Okay. Okay. Yes. Go ahead. And the um, FBI. FBI. And the yeah. FBI. Right. Okay. Right. So. Uh, so, so are you, are you let me saying, ask you something with, well, I was going to get to that. that. No, no, no. Let me, let me, let me, let me say something. So it is a very known fact that during the Obama administration, president Obama, uh, put a stay, if you will, on reporting statistics of gang criminal gang related crimes. And that was for a very specific 
reason. And so uh, now fast forward to the Trump administration when statistics are now, you know, keeping up with actual crime stats uh, and being in this space of working with people in law enforcement, I can tell you assuredly that politics plays a huge role in how numbers are reported. Um, and I, I don't know if you believe that this particular Department of Justice serves, in my humble opinion, and not because I'm white and not because I'm a conservative, uh, but they serve a very specific agenda, which is to do exactly what's being done right now, which is keep us divided with statistics that are, in my humble opinion, they are not accurate. Because I'm in the media, and I can tell you that my industry does not report accurately, and I'm about to read from something in just a few minutes, it is proven that my industry refuses to report on the actual facts of the types of crime that are happening and by whom. And, and I'm going to tell you why that bothers me, Hilda. I don't even know if you're still here because you just went silent on me. But let me tell you. I am. Okay, cool. Let me tell you why that bothers me. Because if we can't acknowledge where the majority of the crime is happening and who it's being perpetuated by, we can't minister to those areas with opportunity, with hope, right? With joy, with the gospel, with policies that actually work. We can't do that if we don't know that if those, if those data points are being suppressed and another faction of the country is being uh, completely misrepresented, in my humble opinion, as crime stats go. And it's not just because I'm white, believe me, because the gospel is colorless, is, is, is what the gospel says, and that's what I believe. And I believe we're run one race. But I just think it's interesting that 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 is your belief system based on this Department of Justice. So let me ask you something, if you don't mind being candid did you? So before you do that, can I respond? To yeah, what you just yeah, go ahead. So basically, um, and it may be political, it may be political, but I do believe uh, white crime is definitely uh, suppressed in the um, st- statistics. Okay. You know, all white crime, especially in white neighborhoods, aren't reported. So I believe the white crime would be much higher. And also, are you saying that? Uh, both Homeland Security and the FBI director uh, lied during their testimony before Congress. Uh, I think that's been proven to be the case. Uh, do you have, where, where, where has it been proven? Where, do you have something to uh, I do. prove that it has been I proven? do, and I'll be happy to actually DM that to you after my show. If you want to follow me, I'll follow you back and I'll send it to you. Sure. I'll be happy to sure. do that. Okay. Sure. Yeah. You could go ahead with no, your question. No, let me. So here's my question. Did you believe the statistics coming out of the Trump Department of Justice? Uh, that was during uh, Trump's, uh, uh, when Trump was in office. Uh, so Merrick Garland is, um, is, is was appointed the by. The FBI director. Well. So Merrick Garland is not the head of the FBI, but um, but he is the head of the Department of Justice. So which FBI testimony are you referring to? Christopher Ray's. Ah, I will be happy to send you information on that, ma'am. Okay. Yeah, 
Okay. So, uh, yeah. Did you have anything else that you wanted to add? Yeah. And I also wanted to add, since I do believe white supremacy is real until you forward those uh, documents to me and I can, you know, take a look at them. But I also believe white people don't, who, you know, as um, one of the ladies came up and spoke and said, I'm not racist. I hear that a lot, but you don't do much to push back on racism. You know, what do you think white people should do? What do you think like white this? people should do? Uh, what do you think white people should do? No, 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 no. This is okay. your time. Right, this is your time. <laughs> so okay. I want to hear what you think white people should do. Well, for one, uh, they don't support reparations for black Americans in which we are owed reparations. They don't support that. The majority of white people are against it. Uh, we should be black Americans, you know, with our history, we should be a protected class in this country because, you know, so um, at least there will be less. And I believe if white people supported the, these things more, there will be less attacks like the one in um, Buffalo, New York. Right. But white people don't support things like this. But you say you're not racist. But you're against it. When you're against reparations, you're against anything, pretty much anything for black Americans. Whenever a bill passed, uh, monetary benefits or legislation passes for black Americans, it's immediately challenged by conservative groups. Uh, one of them is, uh, wait, yeah, it's any bill. The farmers George, right George now, Floyd. they don't have them there. They don't have their money and uh, black farmers lost like what millions of acres of land and they're being challenged in court and their money is being held up by white people. So a lot of white people like to say uh, they're not racist, but then you show that you are racist. Okay, so Hilda, let me ask you one final question. Where do you receive the majority of your information? I listen to everybody, conservatives, liberals, the black media, everybody, because okay. I don't think one person has all the answers or knows everything. So I just take from everybody. Okay. And what state are you um, coming to us from? If you don't mind me asking. New York City. New York. All right, cool. All right. Love New Yorkers. All right. Well, thanks for joining us today and thanks for your input. And do and me a favor. I'll be looking forward yeah, definitely follow time. me and DM me and I'll send you what I got. Okay. All right, girl. Have a good day. Thank you. All right, who was next? Gabs? Um, we have, let me see, I believe it was Cuervo next. Well, you know, I, I think Stax was before me. Um, Thank you, okay, Cuervo. Sometimes I had, yeah, sometimes the hands go up and then they go down. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Stax. I'll go out <laughs> That's all right. Uh, I'll be brief. Oh, the lady just left. I wanted to ask, or anybody in the room could answer this. The I'm not saying the guy that pulled up and Buffalo wasn't racist. Of course, he was racist. But why the very first person when he got out of the car, why did he shoot an old white lady in the face? That very first person and killed another white person inside. Does anybody have an answer to that? Other than the fact that he's clearly, you know, demonically possessed and deranged. Yes. So obviously he's an insane individual. He was there just to kill nothing but black people on a white supremacy not saying that wasn't a part of his deal because he did have that the N word written on his gun and he had another name of a person 
that was killed in the parade on the side of his uh, uh, gun, supposedly yeah. a person that 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 was ran down in a parade. But he did shoot white people too. So that should be a clue to you that this guy is just nuts, right? right? So if he was able to kill white people and black people, then he just wanted to kill people, period. And he wanted to kill black people. And it's not saying, like, this is what I don't get. How do you, like, how how do you want people to say that there is no white supremacist mindset in America of a of, of certain percentage of people that do not like people of other races and some of those people are crazy and want to kill people of other races and that exists. Right. And those should be, people should be followed by the FBI. Those sure. people should be followed by law enforcement. But like, what do you want us to do? Like besides denounce it. And I don't think anybody in this room would, is not denouncing something like that. I mean, you think that when that happens, people get up and start cheering for people dying for going to the grocery store and shopping that right. for groceries. I mean, it's appalling. It's, it's horrible. Sure. And all of these mass shootings are horrible in this country. But I just want to say this, man, because I've been lo- alive long enough to know that it's kind of like arguing with if you go into a room with Shiite Muslims or you go into a room with Jehovah Witnesses, these people have a cult like status and you're never going to appease them. You're never going to this black and white issue. There are certain people that are proud of the country that, you know, want to make the best life for themselves, want to get along with everybody else. And then there's other people. They just want to be mad all the time and they want to be upset. They're going to go through their entire life upset about what happened in the past that we can't change. I can't change that people brought people over as slaves. I can't change with how people were done in the 60s before the civil rights movement right. and stuff that happens today. To this day, there's still injustices that happen. Sure. I can't change it, right? And and it is difficult to live in any country where, let's say, the black male, they're like 6% of the population. Any country where you go, if I was to go today to Nigeria and, and I'm 1% of the population, I'm going to get treated like a minority, period, right? We strive to do the best we can. We call out injustice wherever it's at, and, and we come together. And that's what I want to promote right here is unity. But but getting on who did this and who did that, an eye for an eye is going to make the whole world blind. The guy that ran over the people in the parade, he was wrong. The, the subway shooter was wrong. And this guy that went in this grocery store was wrong, and we call all of it out. All of it is wrong, and we all call it out, and we come together. Right. Thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate you. Yeah, to to kind of further expound upon that, you know, I want to back up to whenever I asked uh, the other gentleman, uh, Black Star Media, I think is uh, what his name was, um, you know, are you familiar with these other crimes that are perpetuated by or that were carried out by black gentlemen? And to an extent, he was familiar, but not as familiar as this narrative that, um, you know, that he's very passionate about, clearly, about white supremacy. And you are 1,000% right about something, um, <laughs> but it does leave out the God of hope, okay? And, and I'm going to tell you why I believe this. I think you were right that whenever certain people um, of any culture or ethnicity are married to a particular ideology, and they have based their entire identity around that. That could be folks of the LGBTQAI persuasion. That can be, like you said, the Shiites. That can be, uh, you know, 
um, black Muslims, that can be white people, a bunch of, you know, rednecks, uh, you know, it, it doesn't matter. It, it can be Christians, it can be Jews, it can be, you name it, right? When there's a particular ideology that someone has based their entire identity around, it can be very difficult to, um, to dismantle that, which is why I'm constantly discerning where someone is because I'm not here to make a show of people. I'm not here to shame people. I'm here to be a bridge in this conversation, and you all know where I stand on this, and I don't budge from where I stand on this because I know who I am and I know whose I am. And because of that, I'm not afraid to bring people up with whom I don't agree. And I think there needs to be more of this. But I will say, all it takes is one interaction with someone to alter the entire trajectory of that person's life and their generations. And I have seen it more times than I can shake a stick at. When people tell me people never change, Monica, I'm like, that is a lie from the pit of hell because they can change. And when the God of liberty encounters someone through another human being, that is that is something that is immutable. That is immutable. And so I believe that through interaction with people, it may not completely loosen their um, their grip or the death grip that I believe, um, you know, leads people to uh, really a lifelong imprisonment in their own souls on this side of eternity, like you just said. Um, it doesn't mean that it completely dismantles all of that, but it begins to loosen the thread and in the twine that has been wrapped around someone's heart and around their mind for a long period of time. Um, I am so glad that Hilda came up and told us her source of information about why she believes that white supremacy groups are the number one threat to uh, domestic security. And that, in my humble opinion, is an indictment on all of you folks at the Department of Homeland Security and the FBI and this reckless DOJ who are accusing people of things that they are not a part of en masse. She is a living, breathing example of how dangerous and how, um, how successful your efforts are at destroying this country from the inside out. Look exactly what they did, Monica. As soon as the shooting happened, they said it's the Trump effect. It's Kyle Rittenhouse yeah. effect. It's all conservatives. They lumped every conservative with this mass shooter in the grocery yeah. store. And let me say this. The other side, we do it, too. When the guy ran over the people in the parade, we automatically go to politics with it it's and true. start blaming Democrats. And that's a horrible thing to do because it, it can get the population destabilized. That's right. When we start hurting each other, when we have to call out these fringe people and, and our side, let's let's just say that that guy was associated with white wing stuff. We should be the first one to call it out and say we stand against that. 
And it's the same on the other side because we need to build bridges and not further separate. Yeah. Amen. I agree with that. Again, unite and conquer. I mean, that's the message of the day. And I got to give credit where credit is due. I was actually drinking a very wonderfully iced cold beer on Saturday after my performance at the the, uh, air show. And uh, I think it was a Mick Ultra. Don't hold that against me, but it was really cold and it was wonderful. And, uh, and on the, on the can, um, it was Atlanta's, I guess we have a soccer team. Sorry, don't ask me, but it was unite and conquer. And I was like, there it is. <laughs> Praise the Lord. That is, that is the narrative that that's the mantra. That's the tagline that needs to be on everybody's, uh, everyone. I don't care what color you are, or what persuasion you are, or what party you affiliate with. That needs to be your mantra. If you care about your own liberty, and you care about other people in this country like you say you do, then that needs to be right there front and center. And matter of fact, I'm going to change my social profile today with that in it, unite and conquer. I mean, that is that is the number one thing that agents of division fear the most. And we say stuff like that, right? But then we don't do anything about actually coming together and just being real people together, right? And so... Anyway, thank you for your comments, sir. I appreciate you. I'm going to, uh, before we go to open up for the next mic, I'm going to read through, through some of these comments on YouTube for those of you in podcast world. And um, let's see, I don't even know how someone just got through on my phone. Thank you, AT&T. But uh, for those of you in podcast world, um, I'm going to read from YouTube comments. And for those of you in the space, that's what I'm up to. So, uh, boy, these guys are engaged over here today. So uh, someone felt like the other gentleman uh, was that he was studied at the feet of Louis Farrakhan. Okay. And and that was someone's comment, Bishan Barron, uh, over in the YouTube comments. And someone else says, uh, Tamber says, will he ask Ilhan Omar of the Hardy clan who were invading Arabs whose family were sultan selling slaves for reparations? Well, we've moved past we've moved past that gentleman, but good question, good point. Uh, uh, who else? Then we've got uh, we cannot collect a joyful body of Christ if we're all set against each other. Amen to that. Uh, Michael Redding believes that all of this was a false flag. I nothing literally. I put nothing past our current uh, national security apparatus. Uh, Tamber says when George Floyd died, the whole country stood up in outrage. Why is that not acknowledged? That's a really good question. That's true. I, I mean, you know, I, I'm going to use my little co-host privilege. Um, <laughs> You're good, girl. Go ahead. <laughs> you know, my, my whole, I, I don't normally comment on, on mass shootings because my whole feeling is, is I don't care if you're white or you're black or, what, or Asian, you know, uh, you're just crazy. That, I mean, that, and there, it, 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 you can be two things at once. You could be a white supremacist and still be crazy, and be or you could be uh, a black supremacist and still be crazy. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like Amen. to me, any <laughs> any one of those idiots. I have been waiting for you to chime in this whole time. I'm like, I, man, she must have something in her mouth because <laughs> you know, I, no, because I wanted to hear. I wanted to hear what all okay. you know, what everybody has to say. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna tell you seriously. I really. I'm not one of those people who uh, really, you know, kind of comments on this stuff because there's so much that most, you know, that most people don't understand about mental illness that, you know, I don't care who you are. Yeah. I don't care who you are. 
you're crazy if you go out and just shoot people. Yeah, and real. it doesn't matter. It yeah. doesn't matter what your race is or the race that you're killing. You know, if there is a single, if, you know what I mean? If there is a single race. Um, so, you, you know, they're, you're, they're just, they're all just deranged and they've lost their minds and they have some sort of chemical imbalance or something of that nature, or their, their soul is, is dead or whatever, whatever, however you want to say it. There's something wrong with them because sane people don't just get up and go murder people. Uh, and that doesn't, that, that transcends any kind of color line. But, you know, we're, but I can't, I mean, me as a, a black person, I can't sit here and say that, you know, they let, you know, let white supremacy go. You know, what, what, when George Floyd, when George Floyd was killed, that was, a, that was worldwide. That was worldwide. It was horrific to see something like that. Right. And it was horrific to see that happen to a human being, period. Well, I want to know where the outrage was for the gentleman, and his name escapes me, but I got to tell you, I cried when I watched 11 days before that, who had the same thing happen to him, the the exact same thing. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, that That was awful. That that didn't have the same effect. It didn't have the same effect. And I'm, I'm going to say, I, you know, when, when I was looking at both of them, I can see how and why they didn't have the same, you know what I'm saying? I can see how and why they didn't have the same effect, but it was essentially the same situation. Oh um, yeah, it was. But know, I think one was just yeah. way more politicized over the other. Yes. And there's a whole other backstory to the whole George Floyd and, uh, well, I think you know, the Keith. thing that with George Floyd is that people were standing around begging for his life. Other people, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, the yeah. Other guy, it wasn't the same Awful. thing. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that's, that's why I see that that is a different situation. Cause there were people standing there right. who could see that this was wrong. And all they felt like they could do was just stand there and scream at the police. In the other situation, that wasn't the case. You see what I'm saying? So I can definitely see why uh, the George Floyd situation um, was more um, widely widely, uh, known and widely publicized and widely politicized because there were people standing around begging for his life um, and the police just ignored them. Um, And, you know, so I I can see why that's different. Right. Um, but I know what you're saying. Yeah. You know, I mean, it, uh, the whole dynamic of the whole George, George Floyd situation to me is peculiar because I don't know that I could have stood there and just watched that happen. Right. Like, I don't know that I could have, you know, me, I'm an action person. I do not know that I could have stood there and watched that happen. Right. Now, whatever you want to think about how George Floyd died, you know, uh, he could have he could he could very well have died from from a drug a drug overdose sure. but he didn't have to be tortured while he was yeah, dying i agree so you know what i mean so yeah. I, the, that kind of thing and i think that's what the whole world kind of saw right. was the inhumanity it was of it. the totally the, the callousness yeah. of it so but but as a as a as a it you know the entire world did see it and the entire world did comment on it and the entire world was um was disgusted by it and made you know and we and we did as a as a human race right recognize the horror in it so So yeah about it being about about the race issue escapes me when you're talking about this kind of thing because like you said like i said when george floyd died the whole world stopped right 
Uh, yeah, well, speaking of, so I have a, a piece that I told you guys I was going to um, uh, read from. And I want to say this is from Free Beacon. And this was uh, dated April 14th of this year. Uh, I'm going to read just a little bit of this. So, <clears throat> excuse me, Frank James, the man arrested for Tuesday's New York subway shooting is a black nationalist, an outspoken racist who railed against whites, Jews, and Hispanics. A careful reader of the New York Times could be forgiven for overlooking that. In a nearly 2,000 word, uh, word article on the attack, James's race is not mentioned. I'm going I'm to I'm repeat that. A careful reader of the New York Times could be forgiven for overlooking that, uh, that he was a black nationalist and a very outspoken racist who railed against whites, Jews, and Hispanics. In the nearly 2,000-word article on the attack, James's race, and I want to, um, <clears throat> excuse me, I, I want to exchange race for ethnicity. And I don't do that to be trite. I do that because that's what I believe. There's one race. And the sooner we get back to that, the better off we're all going to be. So, James's ethnicity is not mentioned. The same is true for the coverage offered up by Reuters. The Washington Post only mentioned James's race in relation to his condemnation of training programs for, quote, low-income black youths. Uh, media critics on the right say that the conspicuous omission, excuse me, <clears throat> of James's race from these news reports illustrates a trend among prestige papers which de-emphasize or omit the race of non-white criminals while playing up the race of white offenders. But is it a real pattern? Yes. A Washington Free Beacon review of hundreds of articles published by major papers over a span of two years finds that papers downplay the race of non-white offenders, mentioning their race much later in articles than they do for white offenders. These papers are also three to four times more likely to mention an offender's race at all if he is white a disparity that grew in the wake of George Floyd's death in 2020 and the protests that followed. The Free Beacon collected data on nearly 1,100 articles about homicides and from six major papers, all written between 2019 and 2021. It goes on to talk about, you know, who the papers are, <clears throat> excuse me, and they actually uh, ran a poll as well. It says, for each article, we collected the offender's and victim's name and race and noted where in the article the offender's race was mentioned, if at all. The data suggests an alarming editorial trend in which major papers routinely omit information from news reports presenting readers with a skewed picture of who does and doesn't commit crime. Dear Hilda. This is for you to pay attention to, ma'am, because it's not only media who does this. It's people who should be more responsible in government, but who have been completely weaponized and politicized shamefully. These editorial choices are part and parcel with the, quote, racial reckoning, those are in quotes, that swept newsrooms in the wake of Floyd's murder, which saw journalists dramatically overhauling crime coverage to emphasize the view that criminal justice system is racist at its root, 
perhaps at the expense of honesty about individual offenders' crimes. So if you want to read this article, I will be happy to post this in my Twitter feed after this show. Um, I encourage you all to uh, take a peek. Um, they clearly, these guys have done a lot of work on this. I don't know what color they are. Don't really care, but I do appreciate the fact that they are calling out my industry for being, um, you know, perpetuators of division and propaganda. Uh, the fact that journalists were quote, dramatically overhauling crime coverage to emphasize the view that the criminal justice system is racist at its root. Now I will tell you. Having worked in with a company who was an offshoot of a very large and one of the few media conglomerates, there were only a few conservatives um, in that newsroom. And, excuse me. And President Trump highlighted the dividing line in that newsroom. And as a commentator, I found myself with more journalistic integrity than some of actual journalists who were recognized as journalists and awarded as journalists. And it was very grievous because crime statistics were not accurate, and we knew they were not accurate. I had police officers in the city of Atlanta telling me that our data was not accurate and why and how they were being encouraged to skew data so that crime trends would appear to be less than they were and that they would uh, not emphasize black youth crime, which again, I would submit to you is a problem, not because I'm tired of white people being blamed for everything, but because I believe that the black community is leveraged. You're not a special class. You're one of us. And the sooner that that is actually um, received and appropriated in individual lives, the better off we will all be as a nation, in my humble opinion. You are not a special class. You are a God created in equality. You're an equally created, unique, wonderful being with gift sets that no one else has but you. Right? I don't have yours. You don't have mine. Whether you're white, black, Latino, Asian, doesn't matter. We're all uniquely created, right? And the reparation, in my humble opinion, as a minister, has already been paid. So if we would apply that and we would get honest about who is actually stealing from our children in the Atlanta public school system, you can look up news reports and find out exactly who that was, and they're actually sitting in prison right now for it. And let our, our, our young black children graduate from high school, unable to read, all for money. I'm white, and that really pisses me off. Because that's not equal opportunity. 
And that's not the system of the white man. That is a really jacked up racketeering system called teachers unions and the entire abysmal uh, industrial complex of the Department of Education that is not only littered with white people. I know facts suck sometimes, but it's true. And so where do these young children go who can't read? Well, where do you think they go? Most of them have to take care of their mothers and their siblings, and they're sucked into the vortex of criminal gang activity, which is very easy to do, especially in the city of Atlanta. And they don't expect to live past 21. They just don't. Talk to some of them. They'll tell you. They don't value their own life because they've never been taught that their lives matter. And that goes for the church, too. And I don't let the black church or the white church or the green or the purple church get off the hook for that. Because if more pastors spent more time teaching these kids who and whose they are, we wouldn't be looking to each other to make things 100,000% hunky-dory on this side of eternity. We would be enforcing the kingdom of God here in this earth, which all of us have been given jurisdiction to do. Now, who's next? We got Cuervo. Cuervo, you're next. Yes, ma'am. Well, you know, thank you for hosting this space. I think it's important to... um, to talk about this subject, especially as it doesn't matter. It shouldn't matter race. We should be able to, to, uh, to unite on, on calling out white supremacy when we see it. But the narrative is, um, is a narrative that's being used by, you know, po- politically, uh, in a way, but I want to call out a couple things that I think needs to be focused on. Um, Let's talk about white supremacy in America for a minute, because, you know, the 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 I don't know, the 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 point in America, um, there was some incidents like Charlottesville. Let's talk about Charlottesville for a minute, because that's the one that's like, oh, neo-Nazis and white supremacy that kind of started it. Um, The Tiki Torch rallies. But but um, but the truth behind Charlottesville is the guy that organized that event. Um, got exposed as being a left-wing progressive um, based on his based on the policies, his views. He wasn't a, a right-wing conservative. He was a left-wing progressive, and he admitted it right. um, after Charlottesville. And then he went on to endorse Joe Biden, and his Twitter page is still up, and he proudly um, showed his uh, uh, his ballot showing that he voted for Joe Biden. Um, you know, the, another point I want to make is that, um, there, there are tons of hate hoax incidents across this nation. Somebody, I'm glad somebody posted up in the nest. It was the first one that was nested. Somebody posted up a picture of, of something that looks really bad. Right. But, and I don't know any of the details behind that, but I do know that there's a a gentleman named Wilfred, Wilfred Riley, who wrote a book on hate hoaxes where they go in and expose these things that, that show a hate crime, but they were actually projection. They were somebody that created it. It was a hoax. You know, you can look at Jesse Smollett is another right. prime example of that. Right. Um, 
And I want to talk about this shooter for a minute because something that, that is being lost in the narrative of the shooting is that in his manifesto, he wrote that he, he used this gun, this specific rifle, because it was the most effective way to kill people. But he also said that he knew that the that what would happen as a result of his shooting would be to um, that that our government would would do more gun legislation and remove guns from the hands of citizens. Okay, um, so just like all good Nazis, which what this guy is, he's a Nazi. Um, they like gun confiscation. They want the government to have. Uh, power over its citizens. Okay, so I think these are some topics that that um, are are being lost in in all the rhetoric and all the emotions that are going into this post Buffalo shooting. I just thought it would be important to to call it out. Thank you. Um, thanks. Thank you, Monica. For Absolutely. Well, haven't you also been posting a lot about HB three fifty? Yes, ma'am. You want to go so, into that just a little bit? I do want to give you space for that. It's important. Yeah, absolutely. So, so I've done a, um, anytime a, an event like this comes out, I always look at, at how politicians are using the event to legislate. And, um, this bill HR 350 is, is, uh, if passed and it was supposed to be voted on two weeks ago. Um, the, the problem was that I don't know if they didn't just didn't get the time or they didn't get the votes or whatever, but um, but it stalled. It didn't get a didn't get a house floor vote. What does this bill do? It, it, it will it will authorize the federal government to fund a domestic terrorism police agency. And that's all they're going to focus on. But I did some history and some digging. That bill was first introduced into Congress in 2018. So so these this party has been trying to push this legislation to create this 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 new police agency since 2018. So this isn't just a uh this uh this bill isn't just coming out of January 6. Uh this was this was trying to be passed since 2018. What's most interesting about the bill history is how they have specifically um, tried to dismiss this Antifa movement and, and all of the things that we've seen Antifa do, like in Portland and in and, and San Francisco and so forth, where they where they beat people up. Antifa is a domestic terrorist organization, but if you read through this legislation, it will not uh, uh, it will not. phone call there. Sorry, I had a phone call there. But it will not focus on some of these other domestic terrorist groups. And I think that's most alarming. It's not about what is in the bill. It's what's not in the bill. And the only thing that's in this bill, and it's three drafts, H.R. 350, uh, H.R. 5602, and H.R. 4918, is that it only focuses on on anti-government militia groups and white supremacy. And right. it t completely turns a blind eye to Antifa um, and, and any of this other stuff that happens where people are, are, are disrupting neighborhoods, burning them down and, and, right. and rioting and looting. So right. uh, I 
thank you for giving me an opportunity. Absolutely. To talk happy to ha- happy to have the information come forth. Thank you. And uh, good to hear from you, sir. Have a good day. Uh, all right, Gabs, who's next? Um, next, we got certified ADA advocate. Okay. Unmute your mic and go ahead and speak. Hello. Hi. Um, thank you for allowing this conversation. Sure. Um, wanted to uh, acknowledge that you had spoken to Unity earlier. And I guess the point I want to make today, and I have a social communication disorder, so I just got a case, a case of stage fright. So, You're good. Uh, Take time. Um, so if I, if I met up with you and our meeting was arranged by a third party uh, and I came up and said, "Oh, you're you're a blonde white woman, just like that." Would that put you, uh, or if I said, "Yikes, you're a blonde white woman," would that put you on the defensive? For me personally, no. I'd probably laugh and be like, "Don't get it twisted. I pay for this hair color." But go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> well, mo- most most people's egoic reaction would be to be on the defense and feel like, well, they must not like me. I mean, seriously, we all have things that we all have things that we don't want pointed out in a negative way. And I think assigning, um, assigning negativity to a label is a problem. And I actually have felt this way for a long time and I haven't really known how to speak about it. And it's just becoming clearer lately. Okay. And so I I feel like inclusion is collaborative and it's it's purposeful, and it's uh, it can cause good results. Yes, you know, agreed. And exclusion is, in my mind, and, and is separatist and racist. Yes. And so I'm feeling like the label of white. If if you if you assign uh, a negative connotation to a label, and it's irredeemable, it can't be redeemed. I mean, I heard uh, somebody say reparations several times, and and uh, there's no way that we can explain or correct what our ancestors did. There's no way. Sure. Um, but uh, if we if we assign a negative label, uh, a negative meaning to a label, and use it over and over again, and there's no redeeming of that, okay. that's not in, that's not inclusion. Sure. And, and so I feel like the word white is becoming a measure of, of hate speech that's just easily thrown around. It's not, there's no interest in inclusion. And I want inclusion. I do. I want inclusion. I grew up in the South and uh, I've, I've, I've been pulling these hooks out for years. And to, to all of a sudden be assigned a meaning because right. of my skin color. Right. When I've been working so hard over the years to uh, become responsible and become integrated and, and love my fellow man and woman. Is that because you it, were raised in an environment that um, was not conducive to inclusion of blacks and whites? I was raised in a white church. My dad was uh, consequentially racist, I'll call it. I feel like he, he was raised in a racist environment. He wasn't overtly, but I mean, he, he did some things. He said some things to me that caused me to, okay. I mean, one of the things was he crushed me. You know, I had a, I had a really good uh, friend that was uh, African-American and he was uh, deaf and at our church. Yeah. Uh-oh. Oh my God. Okay. And I was too young yeah. to know how to process this or deal with it. Right. And, uh, 
so I, you know, I just, I walked away from it, but I didn't want to. And as, as an adult, you know, I started pulling these hooks out and to have this label put on, you know, white entitlement, white supremacy, white privilege, white fragility, no other race wants that attached to sure. their label. Sure. So I see it as a, as a way to say, all right, now we're going to separate out and, and y'all can be over on the fringe when actually all of us need to be at the table. Right. Discuss, discussing solutions and how to work together with this. Well, it's funny that you mentioned table because I distinctly remember a, uh, I, I'm trying to remember who hosted this, but it featured a T.I., Candace Owens, and a couple of others, um, I think some folks from the Trump administration, and uh, from, you know, from Blexit, um, and Katrina Pearson, I think, was part of the panel, too, but T.I. was, like, very, uh, you know, uh, flagrantly, like, we don't want a seat at the MFN table. We want to own the MFN, um, MFN table. There you and, go. Okay, right. And so that's this— exclusionary. Well, it goes back to, well, some people think that's leveling the playing field because whites have had the table for so long, as you heard the other gentlemen and some others say earlier in the conversation— that there is this intrinsic uh, supremacy, uh, allegedly, that goes along with the fact that whites have had control of America since America, okay? And so now that has become a repeated, and, and here's the thing that I hate. I hate these absolutes of, um, you know, well, if this, then it has to be that. Like, there, there's no, there's zero um room, mercy, grace for uh, strides that have been made, uh, you know, for sins that I believe spiritually have been atoned for, but now we're dealing with, with it on the geopolitical landscape. Also, you know, you've got uh, jokers who love to be part of the entertainment community, if you will, who just keep this thing of division rolling, 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 and keep these very anger-filled, like you just said. I don't know if you guys know, but the term deplorable means irredeemable, which is why I never received that assignment to myself. So Hillary can shove it, and anyone else that would call me a deplorable, first of all, not part of the Trump cult, but... I, I never received that because I'm not irredeemable. And no one, in my humble opinion, is irredeemable. Even down to your last breath, the Spirit of Christ can be blown into you and you receive Him as your Lord and Savior. That is my faith, not everybody's. But to to your point about things being exclusive, I got I got to say, okay, I am not one of these people that gets offended because um, people want to have their own private groups. Or people want to have their own private associations. You know, like, if I'm not invited, I'm not invited. I'm not offended by that. I might want to be included so I can learn or I can fellowship. But if ultimately I'm not invited to something that some people, again, would say, well, that's because you have the privilege and you've had the generational privilege of saying, of having an option as to whether or not you want to show up for for certain things. As a female, I could argue that down, no matter what the color of my skin is. We have not always had a seat at the, at, at the table, much less owned a table as females, white, black, uh, Asian, doesn't matter. So we too have come a long way, baby, in the you know infamous tagline of Virginia Slims. Um, but I, God, I'd like to think that at the end of this horrible trip and this birthing process that we all seem to be on, that I think... You know, the enemy's kingdom wants to yield a certain level of death and division and disunity. I'm hoping 
this is my eternal hope springing forth that through this birthing process, we will actually be able to get to a place where we do birth a unity um, that does afford, uh, you know, the knowledge and the wisdom that if it wasn't for God, none of us would have a table. And anyone privileged enough to be called an American citizen and someone, I think Miss Hilda uh, mentioned cheese, someone mentioned government cheese, I don't know, somebody did, and that, you know, or uh, I don't, Mel, I think it was Mel was like, you know, I was white, I'm white and we were on government cheese and I wouldn't call that white privilege. Well, here's the deal. There are children in Bangladesh right now who don't have a table, they don't have cheese, they don't have nothing. They are surfing on trash mounds right now, liquid trash mounds, in order to collect plastic to feed their families, babies with no shoes, no food. And so any of us in this country, um, I this is my humble opinion. Again, I know some of you who are in this space, I see you, uh, and you're welcome to come up and, and add to the conversation. I know you're going to say, I'm white, and that's of course that's how I would see it, because that's my privilege speaking. No. That is me having traveled around the world and seeing really horrid conditions and and thanking God when I landed on this soil and having come up through poverty myself, raised a kid in poverty uh, in the South uh, with a bi-ethnic child. So please don't preach to me about not understanding a few things because I do understand a few things, but I want to say something to you, sir. I'm sorry that happened to you. Um, and I understand what you're saying about your father. Um, it is, you know, I'm in the South. I get it. I, I hear it from all sides of the equation. Um, and kudos to you for attempting to step out of that generational thinking uh, and believing and, and wanting to be, you know, more inclusive of neighbors and whatnot. Um, you know, and in your life and, and good for you for not allowing anyone to put a label on you. And that's the whole point of this conversation. Thank you. Is, uh, regarding the kids in Bangladesh, if, if they don't have and the uh, observation of if someone wants to start their own group and I'm not invited, that's great. I agree with that. Yeah. If, if they're, if the kids in Bangladesh are not getting food because they're called worthless or irredeemable, that's a problem. Right. Horrible. So Their governments are ruthless. They are godless and ruthless. It is unbelievable what they do to their people. Uh, I mean, it is astounding. Yep. And that's not a black-white issue. That is a godlessness that is pervasive. You know, for us to have Christ in this country is is beyond a, a blessing that, that we should all be, I think, we should all be lighting each other's, each other's oil lamps and keeping them filled uh, you know, with unity, but you know what, maybe it is going to take someone kinetically invading this country, uh, for us to band together. I don't know. Maybe that's, I, I hope not. That is definitely not my prayer, but it sure seems like we're moving toward that, uh, toward that end with every passing day of this administration. So thank you for chiming in. I appreciate you. Thank you. Have a good day. And thanks for having the courage to come up. I know it's kind of scary for people in uh, big groups like this. And this conversation doesn't have to be scary. It shouldn't be scary. This is us. Right? I'd like to think that anyone in this space right now, if one of us was bleeding or hungry or afraid or, you know, in trouble, you know, and I knocked on your door or you knocked on mine, and this isn't some kumbaya message because I know how this goes, but I'm serious about this. I'd like to think that we wouldn't stop and go, all right, hold on. 
you're a white guy or hold on, you're a black dude. Oh, I remember what the statistics said about uh, white on black crime. Like, I'd like to think that we would stop in our humanity and have a moment of humanity. That's the purpose, purpose in this conversation. There's entirely too much dehumanizing going on from people who have control over the narrative. And because I'm in the narrative space, I don't like it. I, I think it's it's not helpful. It is destructive. And it's something that all of us should be unifying around to be like, hey, we know we still got problems. And the only way to overcome them is not, um, you know, in division. The only way to overcome them is to come together and actually overcome them together. So, all right. Who's next, Miss Gabs? Oh, wait, wait, wait. Before we go to who's next, okay. We got we got people over um, in uh, YouTube world. So we've got MJ Phillips. The truth is simple. This system is designed to divide us based on uh, the little differences. This system is not designed to bring us together. Understanding how their system works is key to uh, winning. Okay. And then we've got uh, Tambra says, God's perfect love has no darkness. The truth of one creation, one people is eternal. It has no merit to violate it and shouldn't be venerated as truth. Healing uh, lies in unity. Well, that was very well said, my dear. Thank you for sharing that. Appreciate that. Um, okay. Yeah. Who was next? Did you say 10? Yeah, 10. Hey, 10. What's yeah. going on, man? Welcome. Hey, good afternoon. Thank you for having me on your show. Uh, I wanted to start out by saying that uh, there is no su- supremacy. It does not exist. It is an illusion. Is it a figment of the imagination as much as, you know, genetic supremacy or any other type of eugenic supremacy can exist? These things are fictions designed to control people's minds. In specific, I would you know point out that if you put uh, you put something. <laughs> Sorry. Interesting. The phone calls. If you. Put... <laughs> Well, we know, we know, we know who stalks you whenever you're in my space. So you're good. (laughs) Go ahead. The, 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 the psychology of, you know, when you sprinkle that food additive called salad supreme to a salad, does it become supreme? Does it really? No, it doesn't. The salad does not become supreme because you put the title on it. Psychotic people are psychotic. They're dangerous. And it doesn't matter what color they look at any given time. Um, some of these things that we're directly facing date all the way back to the 1930s from books called The Soviet Art of Brainwashing. And basically, they, they stood up a program starting at least very much in the 1950s to target and divide Americans, to separate them in the territories of race, religion, nation, and family, to destroy all those segments. And in, in addition, a further goal was to disarm all the people, all the, the civilians of the world, so they would no longer be able to stand up against tyranny. And we are all subject and, and facing that. So where where do I where do I stand on this situation? I I am uh, assistant of a you know black filmmakers. I've helped multiple black filmmakers make films throughout you know my life. Um, in my youngest ages, youngest ages, you know my experience, I actually lived in uh, Lynchburg, Virginia for a little while when I was like five or six years old. You know, in my experience there was, you know, the 
I loved all people because I see I came from Idaho and I didn't know anything about this these racial you know narratives and ideologies. I had no idea. So I came down there into the south and I wanted to be friends with everybody. So I went to the back of the bus and wanted to hang out with the the kids that were black in the back and they they spit at me, they kicked me, they beat me up, and they told me, you know, you're not us. You better get out of here. And so I you know I was really sad. I was hurt. I cried, but I didn't bother them again. You know, so, you know, it went on a few, a few more years and I tried to, I still continued to be friends with all people, no matter, no matter what the situation was. And I countered when I was in, you know, 1984, I was in a, you know, elementary school and I wanted to be friends with the, the girls. They, you know, they were light, you know, kind of darker skin, maybe you could say black, but, you know, they, they decided, uh, oh, you, you don't look like us. We don't want to hang out with you. And they decided to throw their chicken hearts at me from their dissection lab that they had at school that day. And, you know, my heart was broken because I wanted to be friends. And they said, no, you know, you can't because of your skin color. And so, you know, that went on. But it didn't really bother me in the end because I knew that was people. That wasn't a race thing. Those are people's choices to align themselves with something else. <clears throat> So this one on, you know, these kind of things happened and, you know, you could say those were hate crimes or whatever, but, you know, I didn't go around, I didn't have to run to somebody to tell them, hey, I was attacked by somebody based on my skin color. Didn't matter to me. I was just, I, I wanted to continue to be a Christian, go out and, and go amongst all people, be friends with whoever that I could be friends with. And, you know, they got me into college, and in college, that's where, you know, we, I started working on the first, you know, black film project. It was called The Four Horsemen, which is kind of funny. But, uh, yeah, it was, you know, martial arts, and, you know, we had a black director, and the crew was multicultural. This is 1995, 96. It was great. We had a great time. We had an awesome time. And and there was no, nobody was racist or calling anybody out, and anything like that. And, you know, fast forward, you know, about a couple of decades, I'm down in Houston and I'm, I'm down there and I'm making, I'm making some projects with uh, the locals there. And it was, it was great too. And, you know, <clears throat> it didn't, this racism thing, like it is today right now, it wasn't there and it's gotten worse and worse. And, you know, now it's to a point where, you know, my, my old friends who were, you know, black filmmakers and such, they just don't want to communicate. They just, you know, because they, they need, they're in a silo now because of, because of the political and social upheaval. So that's been, you know, it's been a travel, but, you know, I still don't, I still don't believe in, in these, these racist narratives. And I, I certainly don't believe in the, in the, you know, Manchurian type candidate programmed individuals that, you know, pop up out of the woodwork and commit crimes that are just to suit exactly what, mm -hmm. you know, agencies need to pursue, you know, removing yeah. our freedom, all of us. That means not white people, black people, that means everybody's freedom, you know, and, and these, these narratives are designed and crafted for that. And if we lose sight of the fact that the, the attack is on our freedom as a nation and as a people, Sure. Then we we will lose track of everything and those fundamental rights. I agree with that. Uh, yeah.
Thank you for sharing those stories. Yeah, those are very heartfelt stories and uh, obviously very real, you know, and some people would take that experience and be like, well, black people are just as racist as white people. Obviously, that's not your heart because you didn't come here to accuse uh, with your experience. And so I appreciate that. Someone on YouTube just asked me, what is your definition of, um, of white supremacy? And my definition of racism, period, is uh, Satan's ability to accuse God through man, but somehow God made one of us more or less than the other, which to me is a lie because his word says that he created us equal. So, um, again, I know that steer, it flies in the face and it really upsets some people who want to continue in the, uh, sociopolitical, uh, space. And we certainly can, because that's where all of this stuff gets fashioned out. Um, and that's how it affects all of us is through policy, uh, you know, through law, um, and through everyday, you know, uh, sociological, uh, just, you know, coming together or being divided. I mean, it's just, it's called everyday life in America. And I, yeah, and I hate that this has become everyday life in America lately, but, um, thank you for sharing those stories. I had no idea that all of that had occurred to you and, you know, and we all have stories, but some people take those stories and they never forget and they make a commitment to never forget and they harden their hearts and they become bitter and they become afraid of other people because, like I said, it's not hatred that it's it's fear that undergirds pride and hatred. And uh, that's the pillar upon which it, uh, you know, all of that stands, in my humble opinion, spiritually speaking. So, yeah, thank you for sharing that. I hope you'll hang out in the space still. Um. Okay, guys, so I'm running up on an hour 45 on my show, on my podcast. Uh, I do want to get to some other people in this space. We have a lot of people uh, requesting the mic, and I'm happy to hear from as many of you as I can. I'll probably wrap up my podcast here shortly and continue on in the space. If you guys are game, I am too. Uh, but my, my favorite girl Gabs over here has been, uh, hopefully keeping up with whose hand <laughs> went up first. So who's next, my dear? Yeah, I have, um, it's goddess next, she's next, and then, um, and then it's Mimi, and then Mike. Hey, how are y'all doing? Good, thank you, welcome. Yes, um, I just wanted to start out by saying I am from North Carolina, so, um, I do see racism daily, I do see, um, white supremacy daily, um, just down the road from me is Johnston County, which, that's where KKK, that's where they reside. Um, also a lot of white supremacists live on my street down at the other end. They have flags all in their windows and all that. So in North Carolina, that's something that we normally do. Also, I did want to point out a different type of white supremacy, which is the gentrification um, of our um, neighborhoods that's been going on. That's also white supremacy because I've gone around Raleigh where I grew up. I'm a 50 year old woman. And um, the way that Raleigh looks today is totally different. Um, the houses that were owned by black people are no longer owned by them. There, there are a lot of white people running around that right. I wouldn't normally see. Right. So um, they're in our in our neighborhoods. That's white supremacy. When you come and you take over whole neighborhoods, 
that's white supremacy. That okay, can a- I, so can I ask you something? So I'm in the city of Atlanta, and I, I don't know what your municipal government is like there, but I know what ours is here. And I know that uh, the majority of our governing body here in the city of Atlanta is comprised of black ladies and gentlemen who make decisions regarding housing um, and building and, and the gentrification. So is that, does the same hold true for, for Raleigh? In Raleigh, North Carolina, our mayor is white. So is our governor. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Our governor is white, but our mayor is not and hasn't been for a number of years. Okay. Um, All right. Yeah, they, they white. So, so um, you would consider that um, white supremacy? And and you know, and let me say something. I'm really sorry that you live amongst that with crazy people running around with those types of flags in this day and age. Now, do you think that they represent the majority of white people in America? What I think is that they represent part of the people that are the problem. That's what I say. Um, now, as far as when it comes to white supremacy. It's a lot to that. It's not just that. Like I was getting ready to point out to you that the medium home in North Carolina, well, in Raleigh, used to be low. But now, if you were moved into Raleigh, North Carolina, if you do not have $400,000 or more, you will not be able to buy a house here. So that tells me who they're pricing out. Luckily, my mother, she bought her home and my father left her in it. So they're not going to take her home. So, you know, like they've been trying to do. Um, Anyway, I wrote notes. So if you don't mind. Yeah, go ahead. Um, Now, I did hear you say something about reparations. Did I hear you correct in saying that we already been paid? Uh, no, ma'am. I said that I believe that all reparations have been atoned, spiritually speaking, by the blood of Christ. Okay. Well, we ain't looking at spiritual. We're we looking at cash. Um, so we need cash payments because if you look at it like this, if my if I went to work and I didn't pick up my check, um, that didn't mean that I wasn't owed that money. It means that they need to pay me my money still, correct? Um, well, I think you might be conflating a couple of things there, but go ahead. I'm just asking you a question. Is that correct? I'm not going to conflate this, but go ahead. Okay. Um, the reason why I'm asking that question, because, uh, it's apparent that, uh, white America does not want us to have reparations, which we already know that, um, we are going to continue to fight for reparations like we are, um, including we did see that on that, um, gun that the guy had, he wrote that on there. This is your reparations. So that's why I asked the question. I wanted to see where might white America was at, but I already know that. Um, oh, well, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I, I don't represent mm-hmm. all of white America. I represent my family and my name and my household. And so I'm not here to represent all of white America, ma'am. I just like, I don't think you represent all of black America. I, this is, this is, right now, this is, I, I'm representing who I'm speaking about. Okay. That, I'm representing it for them. Right and, I, and I think I'm, you're representing your, uh, you, your life, your mama, obviously your family and your reality and things that you are living that I'm certainly not going to sit here and attempt to diminish because this is what you're living and this is your viewpoint on it. And so, and you are certainly at liberty to have that viewpoint. I want to, I do want to say something though. Um, again, I don't, 
the housing market in Atlanta is insane to the point where everyone has been priced out. I don't care what color you are. So inflation has been oh, real. around America. Okay, let me get to that. So, let me get to this one other point before yeah, I, go ahead. I gotta go back. Yeah, um, you're good. I did notice too how the deflections. We always talk about well, not us, um, Barack Obama. I just want y'all to know, white America, we don't care about him. Y'all can have him back. We don't want. Um, also, why do you uh, why do you say that? Why do you say that? Stop, stop, stop. Why do you say that? Uh, well, I say what? About why, yeah, why do you think we want him back? Because just because he got a black face that we all want to, you know, <laughs> Obama, we don't know we don't do that. But why? <laughs> why? Why do you want to give him back to white, quote, white America? Why? That's just funny that's to me. And that's where he started. So that's okay. where he need to be. Um, okay. Anyway, rolling on. Um, also, when we're talking about this, um, this uh, thing that this white guy did and killed these black people. I find it funny how the deflection of always that you always deflect things, not just you, I'm speaking about white America, deflect stuff on things that other people do. Like he said about the um, running over people and all that stuff about what black people have done. Um, I, I want you to count on one hand how many times you see a black person have done something like that, mass shooting. And I want you to, I want you to do that for me, if you don't mind. Also, as far as when it comes to deflecting, I want you all to really understand the situations that you're talking about because you brought up George Floyd, you brought up um, Black Lives Matter. Another thing, Black Lives Matter does not re- represent Black America. We don't, we don't, we don't like them. So Black Lives Matter don't, don't, no, we don't represent. They don't represent us. I, so I would agree with that. I would agree with that. So we don't care about them. Um, yeah. So throwing that back up in our face all the time, Black Lives Matter, we don't give a damn going about them, okay? So okay. I just want you to know that part. Um, okay. And we come for our money, our reparations. We're not stopping. We're coming for our money, and we're not going to stop until we get it. Thank you. So, so let me ask you something. What do you plan to do with your money? Why are you counting my pockets? Well, you sound very excited about the money and how this will benefit your life. And so, and it will benefit all of black America. So I'm curious, what are you going to do with your money? But that's what you all always do. You want to know what we're going to do with it. I'm not going to tell you because it's my business. Okay. Why would I tell you what I'm going to do with my money? Let me ask you something, ma'am. Why would you you come on? No, 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 no. No, What did you do with your money last week? Here we go. Here we go. This is what we're going to do. Okay. We're going to mute your mic. Because we're going to have a civil conversation. You're not going to roll up in my space and try to slam me in front of my audience because I have not done that to anyone in this space. Now, I hear the anger in your voice. And I understand the anger. I understand anger. Believe me. I don't understand anger as a black American. And I would be remiss if I told you I did. So I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to diminish your reality or your suffering, and you're not going to come in here and diminish mine. So I asked you because I'm curious. I don't need a line item budget as to what you plan on doing. I'm curious as to how you think this would make your life better. How are you going to make your life or the lives of others better around you? That's a very honest and sincere question. That is not a gotcha That is not uh, all up in your business. That is not my intention. Now, before you open your mic again, if you're still with us, I want to draw, you're probably not watching this on Twitter. 
But if you are able to watch this show live on Twitter, you will see that I have posted several times. You asked about mass shooters um, and black people. Now, there are seven gentlemen who have been uh, apprehended and accused and will be prosecuted for mass shooting. All happened this year. And these are not the only ones, but I do find it very suspect that people are just now all of a sudden becoming mass shooters, black and white, ad nauseum. I do realize we have had mass shooters for decades. This is nothing new. And if you took up every gun in the country, you're still going to have demonically possessed or programmed by your illustrious government people who are activated to go out and do crazy, idiotic, demonic, filthy things. Because that's just how the human nature works that's fallen. So, I wanted you to know that I did put these gentlemen up on the screen. So, there are cases of this that have occurred. Now, if you would like to answer my question, you're welcome to. Otherwise, I do thank you for being here today. And I'm very sorry that you have been surrounded by people who are obviously, um, you know, back in the bigoted stone age that do not represent all white people, obviously. Nor do I think that Black Lives Matter uh, or Obama for that matter, I thought it was kind of cute that you said that because we don't want them either, uh, you know, but I thought it was kind of funny because I wanted to know where you were coming from as a conservative. Um, I got to tell you, I voted for the man the first time because I thought like, man, all right, we've come a long way. This is awesome. Until I realized that it wasn't so awesome. So, uh, you mean come a yeah. long way because he was black? Yeah, to be honest with you, I felt like, wow, okay, this is great. I love the fact that we've gotten to this point in this country where we can have a black president. But again, that was during my very um, apolitical, very naive to political underpinnings uh, season of my life. Uh, To be honest with you, he was the first person I ever voted for. So I, you know, and it is what it is, but I didn't vote for him the second time. And I'll be honest with you, there's no one really on my ticket that I'd vote for right now. So, you know, okay, go ahead. Yeah, what amen. we're doing right now is we're judging the book by its cover. It's, you know how people used to say, don't judge a book by its cover? Well, we're doing that um, because we have to. So we okay. are judging the book by its cover. Are you referring to, ask- what are you referring to? Uh, white people or Obama? Um, I'm, I'm referring to anybody. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, and as far as the money goes, yes, uh, I'm not going to tell you everything that I'm or line okay. by line, like you said, but um, as far as what I want to do is be away from people that I don't want to live by. I hear you. I don't blame you. I wouldn't want to live next to those crazy people either. So I, no, hope, I hope you get to get up out of there. Them. I'm talking about um, I would like to live around my people only. That's what I'm saying. Okay. Well, okay. What, yeah, that's what I want to do with my money. Well, you know, we actually have some uh, developments coming up in the state of Georgia that I think uh, two, two young black female entrepreneurs, developers are developing like in South Georgia that is supposed to be a city that is uh, predominantly geared toward. Uh, I know that we know about that, but oh, that thought, well, OK. Yeah. So I don't know. So y'all, y'all know everything, don't you? OK. <laughs> You know what? It's okay. You you know what? You can stay mad. That's all right. I, it's fine. I'm glad you came up here today, ma'am. And thank you for, uh, you know, sharing your truth and your reality with us. I'm not offended. Okay, guys. Well, that's a wrap for me for today. 
We'll be back tomorrow with part two of what I think is a very important conversation that I honestly did not intend on having with regard to foundational black Americans, uh, reparations, as you can hear, these are very uh, sincerely held beliefs. There's a lot of passion in this room. Um, I'm actually very grateful for the conversation. I think it's uh, great that people can have dialogue without threatening each other's lives and uh, shutting each other down. So uh, I do hope that you've learned a thing or two. Uh, You may not agree with any of the conversation. I don't know. My point is, this is America, still, for now. And we all still have a First Amendment, right? And if we really do believe that we have been created in the image and the likeness of God, who says from his own word that we are all equal, in his heart, and in his mind, and that he is the only supreme being who loves us and created us for fellowship with one another and with himself. Then we know that all of this other mess down here politically is bent from the enemy's kingdom to steal, kill, and destroy. Nothing new under the sun. Tune in tomorrow. Uh, Tariq Nasheed, someone you may or may not be familiar with. He is a leader in the foundational black American community, author, uh, talk show host as well. He joins the conversation and uh, he has some interesting insights. You're not going to want to miss it. Until tomorrow, be good to your neighbor, beginning in your own mirror. And remember, if you're an American, act like one.